we're going to be talking about when this current housing boom will end and whether it will end in a pretty way or whether it will actually pop, whether the bubble will pop or burst. So if you're still on the sidelines or you've actually bought a property or you're thinking of investing and you're not sure whether this is the right time or whether you should wait six months while things die down, the heat dies down a little bit, or whether you should wait a year or what you should do, right? This will be pretty valuable to use. Do you want to achieve wealth and passive income through property investing? PK Gupta, host of Oz Property Investment Mastery, will help you achieve passive income by buying top 5% growth and positive cash flow property and building a portfolio using data without you wasting months of time doing research, spending weekends at inspections, or dropping ten dollars to $20,000 on buyer's agents each time. So if you are confused and overwhelmed by the amount of contradictory information available online and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. Will buyer demand continue this year? And is this a bust? When it will, will the bubble break? Like all of that information, right? I've made some notes, so to some extent, I'm gonna just read if you don't mind. But really the thing is that this price boom, this housing market boom, didn't start in 2021. It actually started in 2020. When most of you might have been a bit fearful in the middle of COVID, that is when prices started to actually increase. And the reason they increased was because of so much government stimulus, interest rates coming down. You know how it feels if you have a lump of cash in your offset account or in your bank. It's doing nothing for you in the bank account. People wanted to use that. And the people who triggered this price boom were not investors they were first home owners, all right? And I wish I could share the, my screen with you, but what I've actually done is I've compiled a chart and what it says is that in the last quarter of 2020, so that's October to December 2020, the biggest price rises were in capital cities that had the cheapest properties, all right? So you may think that it was in Sydney and Melbourne, but actually Darwin in the last quarter on an annualized basis, the last quarter, had a price has a price increase in 2020 of more than five percent. Adelaide had a price increase of more than four percent. Perth had a price increase of more than three percent. We're talking just in one quarter, right? Not over the year, just in one quarter. So that's pretty phenomenal. And we're talking about Brisbane, which had a price increase of two percent. Now that's not huge on a on an annual basis, but we're just talking in three months in late 2020. And then it was Melbourne, and then it was Sydney, down at 1%. So what happens, guys, and I really want you to learn this so that you can, you know, just kind of break free of the noise and really understand it. What happens is when there's free money thrown in the economy, interest rates are low, people who are renting, they think that, hey, now I can afford to buy a property. And so naturally, first homeowners jump into the market. They're buying properties between three, four, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars especially in these cheaper cities. Now, if in Sydney and Melbourne, it's, you know, obviously more kind of six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars, nine hundred for a first homeowner. But that's what was happening late last year. And to really understand when this will slow down from this point onwards, you have to understand what happens next. So when first homeowners start jumping into the market, right? So they're no longer renting, they're jumping into the market. People who already owned homes, so people who already were living in homes, not first homeowners, they start to see price increase, like I've just demonstrated across those capital cities and other places as well, regionals. 
those existing homeowners start to see their equity in their house going from 20,000 to 40,000 to 60,000 to 80,000. Like there are suburbs in Adelaide that have grown more than 100,000 in the late of last year, in late 2020, just in three or four months. So so you've got a, let's say a $400,000, house already. You've been living in it for a few years and it starts to jump up in price, whether it's in Perth or Brisbane or Adelaide or wherever, right? And then you're like, okay, well, prices are increasing. I've got equity, honey, should we upgrade? And that's what happens. So first homeowners triggered this price boom and then people who already had in properties, not investors, owner occupiers, then they start to upgrade. And then what that happens or what that leads to is a further bolst or further boost in price increase. It's like more fuel to the fire, if you know what I mean. And then prices start to increase even more, right? So now it's not only prices in the affordable bracket for first homeowners, three, four, five hundred, but then it's prices in, let's say, um, Darwin, Adelaide, Perth, Brisbane of between six to nine hundred. They start going up. Right. And also then, you know, 1 million, 1.1 million, those suburbs start going up because people who already had homes, they experienced a price rise because of first homeowners. And now they want to capitalize and upgrade. They want to sell the existing home or not sell it, keep it as an investment property and then upgrade. Right. Especially in a COVID environment where everyone needs office space and and stuff like that. So when will this boom end or when will the demand slow down? One school of thought really is. And this isn't the school of thought that I necessarily subscribe to, but it's one school of thought. And I'll take you to the other one as well. One school of thought is when these people who already had homes and now they've upgraded, they've kept one as their investment property or sold it. Now they've upgraded their principal place of residence. When their borrowing capacity peaks out or maxes out, that is when this demand starts to slow down, right? So does, does that make sense to you? I hope that makes sense, right? Now, what's happened is that right now in Australia, there is a record, record, record low amount of stock on market. What that tells us is that when these first homeowners bought um, their first properties and that create, created a price increase, and then the people that I've just mentioned who already had properties and then upgraded, when they upgraded, they didn't necessarily sell the existing house. They kept it as an investment property. So now you have all these people that use their equity to buy a bigger principal place of residence and became accidental property investors. Does that make sense? Okay. So these are the two driving factors that grew property prices. And now it's really, really important to delineate from this point onwards whether we are in a boom or whether we are in a bubble. Now the two things are different, all right? And if if you're not educated on property, you can be taken for a ride by the media, you can be taken for a ride by your friends, your colleagues, you can be taken for a ride by all these property experts and like, you know, all of us property experts have this huge self-interest to say, hey, you're going to miss out on the property boom, you're going to, you know, miss out on the fear, give me 10,000, give me 20,000, I'll get you on that ride, you're going to make so much money. I want you to be educated so you're not fooled by these people. So there are two different types of price increases. One is a boom and one is a bubble. A bubble is a price boom or a price increase that has been um, the genesis of which was investors, right? And a price boom is something that genesis of which was not investors, but actually first homeowners 
and also upgraders. So all people who are owner occupiers, people who are either buying their first principal place of residence or upgrading their principal place of residence. Now, the, two, the key thing to know between the two things, a bubble and a boom, is that a bubble can burst, whereas a boom will not burst. And that is because a bubble is created by something that is unsustainable, which is investors pushing prices up, whereas a boom is created by something that is sustainable, i.e. first homeowners buying properties and owner occupiers, existing homeowners upgrading to live, right? Now, these people in a boom, they don't want to sell their properties even when interest rates go up. This is where they live. The last thing they want to do is sell this investment property. It's not a, it's this property. It's not a nice to have. It's not like an investment of theirs. This is where they live. This is a long-term sustainable thing for them. They've done it with some you know, rationale. They're not speculating. They're not trying to make a quick buck like many, some, many investors do. So a boom that is driven by owner-occupiers, that is what constitutes something that is sustainable whereas a bubble you know is something that is driven by speculators and is something that does not sustain itself now much like you know if you're in cryptocurrency i'm not a cryptocurrency expert i'm not going to tell you i am but in cryptocurrency it's no one's like using crypto to live right it's all investment basically so that's why it has massive bubbles it goes up and down and up and down and up and down whereas the housing market one which the driving factor of price increase is where people are buying to live or upgrading. That is sustainable. I really, really, really want you to connect with this point. Okay, and let me prove you that with data. Now, generally speaking, about a third of all properties in Australia, a third of all transactions in Australia are investment properties or rentals. Okay, so if you look in your um, in your suburb or you look in your city or your local government area about a third of all properties are actually investment properties you may not realize that but that's that's the truth right it's kind of when i first started investing i was like really like a third that's like that's a lot of investment properties but that is the truth okay so what this number a third allows us to understand is that when in an environment that is growing a housing market that is growing in value when there are a less than a third of transactions or properties being bought that are investment properties. That means that the boom is caused by principal place of residence, first homeowners or upgraders. When the majority, when there is more than a third of property purchases done in a growing housing market or price growing, price growing housing market, when, when prices are increasing and there are more than a third of all transactions done by investors, that means that it's more inclined to be a bubble because the majority of price increase is coming due to investors. Now, what's happened, and I'll, I've got once again a chart in front of me. In 2017, more than 40% of all um, housing finance approvals, or in other words, loans, which is our proxy for telling whether we're above or below that third metric, more than... 40% of all housing finance approvals were given from banks to investors. Now, what that told us was that this was a bubble that was going to burst. And then it burst. We all know in mid to late 2017, prices came down in Sydney, prices came down in Melbourne, prices came down in other places. You can go as far back in Perth in 2014 to see this for yourself as well, where in Perth, 
the investor lending was well above 40, 50% in that kind of late 2013, 14 period, right? And then fast forward again to 2017, 2018, that investor lending percentage came down to about 30, 35%, so a third, right? Which is, you know, equilibrium because a third of properties in Australia are investment properties. 2019, it came down to 25%. 2020, so last year, it was also about 25%. So that tells us that the majority of houses being bought were by owner-occupier, sustainable, not bubble, but boom. 2021, right now, it's the lowest it's ever been in five or six or seven years. The owner-occupying proportion of, uh, of transactions is less than 25%. What that tells me, and you know, you can regress these, this relationship between whether it's a boom or bubble and whether owner-occupiers are prevalent or investors are prevalent. You can regress this back 20, 30, 40 years and you know, you know, really prove what I'm trying to say to you for yourself, but I've already done that. Right now, it's majority owner-occupiers that are driving this growth. And what that tells me is that this growth isn't going away anytime soon, all right? So what's happened, to recap, in, first of all, first homeowners came in because of government subsidies, because of low interest rates, monetary policy pushed prices up. Existing homeowners thought, this is great, I'm gonna convert my existing property to an investment property, I'm gonna upgrade because I got all this equity. That further boosted prices up, and that dynamic is still going on. Investors haven't jumped on just yet. And remember, like I said at the start of the video, when these upgraders max out on their borrowing capacity, that is when prices start to slow down. That is true in a world where there are no investors. But what happens, what happened in the 2013 to 17 boom, and what will happen in this boom, which will be significantly larger Australia-wide than the last one, is that investors will come in. They are now starting to come in. The data doesn't yet show it in a huge proportion. So investors, like I said, owner-occupiers are still under 25%. It will take another year. It will take another 18 months for investors to really come in in a big way, for investors to really come in and investor lending edge up from, you know, let's say 25%, or to 30%, to 35%, to 40%. That will take some time, 18 months, two years. And of course, APRA will come in the middle and try to you know, squeeze things. But the fact is that this boom is a boom. It's not a bubble. It's not driven by investors. I don't know if I got the math right before, but just to reiterate, in 2017, of all property transactions, more than 40% were by investors. In 2018, that came down to 35%. In 2019, it was less than 25%. It came down. 2021, it's even less than 25%. So this is a boom. It's a sustainable boom. And when investors start to come in, perhaps, you know, in the middle of this year, towards the end of the, this year, next year, that investor proportion goes up from 20 to 25 to 30 to 35. When it starts hitting 40, 45, 50, that is when this boom converts into a bubble. And that's when the correction will happen. Now, by that time, prices on average may have increased 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 percent. Of course, there's markets within markets. Some places always do better than others. The correction will always happen, but guys, I want you to realize this, and if you're still worried about whether you should invest or not, or buy your, your own occupier or not, here's the thing. This is the right time because a correction will happen, but 
is a correction of 5 to 7% okay if you've already made 70%? Because that is exactly what happened in the last boom, 2013 to 17, right? So flick out the media headlines, flick all of that out of your mind. Just ask yourself this. Right now, we're in a boom, not bubble, because it's owner-occupier driven. Over the next two to three years, as investors pile in, prices go up another 20, 30, 40, 50%. At some point, this boom will evolve into a bubble and then it will correct itself. But is a 7% correction, which is what Sydney experienced in 2017-18, is a 7% correction bearable after a 70% increase? And if the answer for you is yes, then you should buy investment property right now. I wish you all the best in your property investing. Catch you later.